Hi, welcome to Church for the Harvest Online. We're so glad to have you tuning in with us today from wherever that might be. We've got a great service ahead today, so let's get right into it.
I miss you all, but I'm excited that we can be online this week. Before we jump into the sermon, I do have a few announcements to share with you guys, so let's just jump right in. Youth, we have Zoom calls together every Wednesday at 7 p.m. You can find the link on Snapchat, Facebook, or contact Kim. This has been a great way for us to stay connected, so don't miss out. Church, we need your help. We are hosting a blood drive for our community with the Red Cross. The date is May 13th. Here are three ways you can help. Number one, give blood. Register at redcrossblood.org slash give. We need every slot filled to ensure we can get enough donations for the event. Number two, spread the word. Share this with your local friends and your family. And number three, prayer is always appreciated. Pray first will continue. Instead of gathering in person to pray, we will go live on Facebook. Join Pastor Mike every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. live. Do you have the church app? If not, and you need help with downloading, log into harvestalexandria.com give to view our tutorial to assist you in setting it up. You will have the church calendar, member directory, and giving info and options right at your fingertips. Also, if you already have the church app, now is a great time to go in and update your profile in Alexio. Your email, cell phone number, address, and picture even. If you'd like to stay connected with the church, here are some ways to do so. Our website is harvestalexandria.com. You can find us on Facebook at Harvest Alexandria, Instagram at Harvest Alexandria, and check out our YouTube at Harvest Alexandria. If you want to be added to the church weekly announcements, please fill out the connect card at harvestalexandria.com slash connect card. Did you know you can now email your prayer request to harvestalexandria.com slash prayer. We really want to hear from you on any prayer request from you or your loved ones. That is all the announcements I have for you guys today. I'm excited to see you back in church soon. But for now, I will say have a wonderful online service at home and have a good Sunday. Good morning, church. My name is Jeremiah Burnham, and I serve here on the guest services team here at Church for the Harvest. And I have the opportunity to bring you guys the offering message today. I have a few verses from the book of Philippians that I want to share with you. But before I do that, I want to give you guys a little background knowledge on why the letter to the church in Philippi was even necessary. So at this time in Paul's ministry, he was facing a lot of negatives in his life, a lot of unwarranted situations that he really didn't have a whole lot of control over. In fact, in my nifty little study Bible, it says, while under house arrest in Rome, the apostle Paul wrote to the believers in the city of Philippi. In about AD 61, when Paul was under guard while awaiting trial, he was living in his own rented house where for two years he was free to impart the gospel to all who came to him. I don't know about you guys, but that sounds like a pretty negative situation for a guy who wants to get out there and share the gospel. But listen to what he has to say. After he thanks the church in Philippi for the money they sent him, uh, for the thoughts and prayers, and to warn them about false prophets and false teachers. In chapter 4, verse 19, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be the glory for an ever and ever. Amen. That's pretty positive for a guy who's in a bunch of negative situations. With that being said, I'm not going to sit here and say that we're facing the same kind of trials Paul is um, during uh, his, his walk, during his ministry. But I think we could all take a lesson. And that is, we can still be positive. We can still share the gospel where we can. And we can still give God the glory because he will supply all of our needs. 
Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to worship and praise you. Lord Jesus, I pray that you take these gifts and talents and offerings, expand them over your kingdom here on earth, so that we, re that we may reach as many people as we can. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks, church. Well, good morning, Church for the Harvest family and friends. We just want to thank you for tuning in this Sunday morning and watching uh, the second week in our series, Shake Us to Wake Us. This is part two, a continuation of what I shared uh, last week. I kind of subtitled this message, Who's Following Who? And so once again, we just want to thank you uh, uh, for, for joining us on, on online and, and watching watching these videos and and giving up likes and sharing it, and if something is uh, spoken to you, to repost that. Uh, we just appreciate all your engagement and feedback, and we pray that, that this ends soon, that this ends soon, this uh, uh, COVID-19, and we believe we're turning a corner, amen, and that we'll be back together again as a church family, and we miss you all uh, dearly. Uh, just a quick um, announcement. We have an announcement. Uh, part of our uh, outreach team uh, for this COVID-19, we're going to be hosting a Red Cross blood drive, and we have a limited amount of people that we can take, or the Red Cross can take, and we're going to be hosting it here at the church on the... Uh, uh, the 13th of May, which they're able to do. And as you know, there's been a tremendous need for giving blood and everything kind of came to a screeching halt, but they, they do need it. And so so we've offered our facility and they came through and they said it would work out perfectly. And, and you know, they have, they set it up in such a way that it's sanitized and done, done professional. So that would be Wednesday, May 13th from 1 to 7. And we already have some people that have already signed up and there are slots you can sign up if you go online at Red Cross and Blood Drive. And, and I, I've, I've given uh, over two gallons of blood over the last few years. And so we just encourage you, uh, if you're in good, healthy condition, come on in or, or sign up and, and get a slot for that. Amen. Well, let me just take a moment and pray and ask for God's blessing as we uh, hear his word today. Father, I humble myself before you and I ask that you speak through me and give to God's people what they need to hear today to receive from you, Lord. And I pray the unction of the Holy Spirit right now, just go right where they're at as they're gathered with their family or, or maybe they're listening by audio uh, version here or, or on YouTube or through Facebook and Lord, we just, we just bless them right now. We just thank you for your presence, ministering life to them right where they're at. And, and I just pray that, it, albeit we're challenged today, <clears throat> we can be encouraged today by the Spirit of God. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, just to start things off on a little light note, um, I've, got, I've got a joke I'd like to just share with you. And, um, and so it was, it was during this COVID-19 quarantine, a burglar broke into a house one night and so he began to shine his flashlight around. He was looking to steal some toilet paper and some valuables. And a voice in the dark said, Jesus knows you're here. He nearly jumped out of his skin and clicked his flashlight off and froze. When he heard nothing more, he shook his head and he continued. Just as he pulled out the stereo out and he found some, some extra toilet paper, uh, and he started pulling things up, sticking them in bags, stealing stuff. He heard, Jesus is watching you. Startled, he shined the light around frantically, looking for the source of that voice. And 
Finally, in the corner of the room, his flashlight beamed to rest on a parrot, a parrot just sitting there. Did you see that? He hissed at the parrot. Yes, the parrot confessed, then squawked. I'm just trying to warn you that Jesus is watching you. The burglar relaxed, warn me, ha. Who in the world are you? Moses, replied the bird. Moses, the bird laughed. What kind of people would name a bird Moses? The bird said, the same kind of people who would name a 150-pound Rottweiler Jesus. Amen. <laughs> no stealing going on there. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to James. James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And I've subtitled this message, Who's Following Who? This is the second week in our series, Shaking Us to Wake Us. And I'm just going to read the text here and just continue on uh, from where we left off last week. James says, to submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And he said, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. And then he says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. And so this is a, a warning against worldliness that we began to talk about last week. And, and then we, we, we talked a little bit about harvesting fruit and how God is after fruit in our lives. He is looking for fruit. And I've said this as the title in our series that God, I believe in this pandemic, he is he is trying to, he's trying to speak to us. He wants to get our attention. He is allowing this shaken, if I can say it this way, to awaken us, to awaken us, to awaken us to a new reality of who he is in us, in our lives, in, in our state, our spiritual state. I, I really believe that. So we are being shaken to be awakened. And so just like when, when a harvester goes through, and as I shared last week about uh, the orange groves and how they have this mechanical uh, machinery that begins to shake those orange trees and, and those oranges fall off, at that time, that tree is not probably pretty happy. That tree is probably pretty upset if a tree could speak, an orange tree that, that's been shaken and it's releasing this fruit and good fruit's fallen off and bad fruit. And we talked about that last week and that there's a, there's a process of eliminating bad fruit in our life. And, and, and God, I think God's desire and his way for that bad fruit is, is watch this, simply as we are, are wholeheartedly f following him, we are passionate. We're diligent in our spiritual walk. Somebody needs to say amen to that. And as we are in that, God speaks to us by his spirit. He impresses, not audibly, but he impresses it and says, you know what? There's something I want you to give up. And I want you to, I, I, you know, I want you to deal with this right here and allow me to, to deliver you of this. And, and that's, I think, I think that's the best way through the word of God, through preaching and teaching and through worship and, and a humble and contrite heart. But a lot of times, you know what? We're pretty thick. <laughs> you know, we, we don't, uh, we resist the Lord and we ignore his promptings. And sometimes there's some shaking that has to go on to awaken us. And I really feel that in the body of Christ, that's what's taking place. And so God is after fruit in our lives. And, and, and we said this last week that we can attest that all of us has some bad fruit, myself included, and stuff we just don't like. We know that it's, it comes out, it grows, it produces, and it, it's just not good. And, and God is looking to, 
to, to remove that from our life, remove that from our life, and to rid those things from our life. And so, so I said this, that the, that the most important posture, I believe, we should have is the people of God. And the attitude that we should have in this season is not one of, of uh, fear or terror or even arrogance or haughtiness. No, no, no. It's one of humility and an attitude and a posture of repentance. And, and I said this each week that we are, we're not going to rebuke uh, this virus away this time. Because how many of you know there's certain things in life at times you just can't, you just can't say them away or just rebuke them away. And I believe in the power of confession and that there are times that we need to declare God's lordship in situations and, and speak to the powers that be. And I believe that. I believe that. And we see action in that uh, as we humble ourselves. But, but you know, in this season, I, I really feel it's a season of humility. I feel, I really feel in my spirit is a season of, of contrition and brokenness. Uh, when you look around in the tragedy, what is going on in the, the many, many lives that have been lost and the, and the sorrow, the sorrow, the elderly that have been afflicted and it's, it's extremely sad. And it's a time, it's a time as James says to, to cleanse our hands, not just wash our hands. We've been told a lot of that and been bombarded by that. But the, the, the word of God is telling us to, to cleanse our hands spiritually. And our, that means our thoughts and our mind and our actions and, and have a humble heart before the Lord. You know, um, I think of uh, in the Old Testament when uh, uh, Haman was against in the book of Esther, uh, uh, the children of Israel and sent out uh, an edict to have them all killed. And, and Mordecai uh, just was in humbling in, in himself and ashes and brokenness and, and crying out in the court, the Bible says. And, and, and Queen Esther heard that and, and, uh, and, you know, she ran to him and tried to comfort him and, and you know, say, look, I'm just give you some clothes and I'm going to take care of your needs. You know, don't worry. He's like, this is beyond that. This is something that requires more than just comfort. This is something that takes, we need to seek God. And we need to go into a time of, of, of prayer and seeking the Lord and even calling the nation uh, to fast. And that's what happened. And that's what happened. And we, seen, we saw that that turned around, that tragedy, because of contrition and brokenness. Amen? And so I just want to pick, off, uh, pick, pick up where we left off last week, if I can. We talked about Samson in the Old Testament, how he was a, a judge, and God used him to be a deliverer. He was used mightily to bring freedom and deliverance to the children of Israel and, and routing the Philistines who were oppressing them. And, and I believe as a young man, Samson, he was dedicated to the Lord. He loved the Lord and he served the Lord from his youth. And, and, and he had a covenant. God made a covenant with him. And, and we know the story that his hair would not be shaven. It was a, a, you know, a outward thing of an inward covenant that God had. And, and, and it was a symbol of his commitment that his head would not be shaved. And so he, he never had that. And it, and in Judges chapter 13, Judges chapter 13, verse 5, the scripture says, For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So, so we said this, that his hair symbolized his, his covenant and dedication to the Lord and, and how would God was going to use him on a mission to begin to deliver the children of Israel from the Philistines. And then we kind of ended with Delilah. 
Delilah. Yes, Delilah. And, and, and we just want to insert her because she kind of inserted herself into his life. And it became much disruption in his life. And, and Delilah was the one thing, if I can say it this way, that tripped up Samson. It was the Achilles heel of Samson. And, and so I just, you know, for all of us, I want to just lay that out there. You know, what is, what is the one thing that keeps tripping you up? What is the one thing that, that set you off or that is kind of your go-to uh, 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 weakness that the enemy uses? Judges 16, verses 19 to 21, Delilah having lulled him to sleep. She kept wearing him down. And that's just like the enemy. The enemy is that he constantly wears. He doesn't sleep or slumber. He just, he's constantly there to wear you down and, 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 and to God, cause you to succumb to his temptation and his lies. And, and the Bible says that she lulled him to sleep in her lap and she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his head. And this way, she began to subdue him. She began to subdue him. Uh, interesting. And his strength left him, the Bible says. Then she called out, Samson, Samson, the Philistines of here and, and here. And the Bible says that he awoke. And, and this is the first thought that came into his mind. He woke up and he goes, you know what? No big deal. I got this. I'm going to do as I've done before. I'm going to go out as I've gone before. I can take care of these Philistines. No big issue. Let me just get myself woke up here. No big deal. And he wakes up and bam, his head is shaven. And he finds out that he is weak and that the Bible says he didn't know that the Lord was with him. He was going to go out, the Bible says. He said, I will escape as I did before and shake myself free. And I will break loose, one translation says, just as I always have done. But I want you to notice verse 20. It says, but he did not know that the Lord had departed him. Wow. He did not realize that the Lord had stopped helping him. Another translation said, he did not know that the Lord had abandoned him. And we said last week, we know that as a New Testament, New Covenant believers, we know that God says, no one will ever pluck you out of my hand. Amen. Thank God for those promises. You can be assured of that, that I want you to know this. I want this to be really clear. And I want you to get this. The Lord has not left his people. Somebody needs to say amen to that. God has not left you. <laughs> you may feel, Lord, where you're at. We're going to address that in a moment. But God has not left you. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So even though consciously you may feel, God, what's going on? I mean, you're experiencing things you've never experienced before. You need to know, church, friends, those who have tuned in, if you're a believer and you, and, and you truly are born again, Christ is Lord of your life and Savior, God has not left you. That's comforting words. But some, some of you, you're experiencing many of these things that, that I'm sharing, sharing here about this crisis and desperate situation. You know, I'm not saying that you're all falling apart. And some of you just think, well, that, that's not me. You know, I'm not falling apart. I know kind of we'll get through this. And, you know, it seems like we're kind of hit a curve. And, you know, we're going to come out of this just a matter of time. And even though, even you, even those who may even think that, because I, I, I apply this to my own life, Lord, what are you speaking to me? What do you want me to do? That's kind of the theme of what I want to share with you here today and, and ask that. You know, how many of you know that? I, I really believe this. Obedience brings the blessing in our life. Now, now, let me just temper that because 
Joseph in the Old Testament, he was obedient to God when nobody was looking around, and he went from one difficulty to another, come on somebody, to another, to another. So obedience doesn't mean you're not going to have trials. <laughs> obedience actually means that you're going to be set up for probably testing and trying, and where the enemy is going to come in, he doesn't like it, he wants you to be obedient, but he is defeated in the name of Jesus, amen? He is under our feet, and that's where he needs to stay, amen? And so, but, but you know, I really believe that obedience brings the blessing. You know, I was just reading in Genesis about Cain and Abel and how, how Cain, uh, he, he made this offering that was the fruit of the ground, and it wasn't, uh, you know, uh, as Abel's offering was livestock and a living sacrifice, and, and God rejected that, and the Bible says he was wroth. I kind of looked at that, and the guy was furious, and he was angry. And so God Almighty comes to him and said, you know, why, why are you so angry? If you not do, do the right thing, won't you, you know, be accepted and know that it's approved? And I think that's a word for us all today, too. Not in a spirit of works. How, how many know that we serve God in faith and in grace, and, and it's really only through his power and strength that we allowed in our lives that we're able to live and move and have our being, amen? But there are some things that God wants us to do and not do, <laughs> and, and that's not a spirit of works. That, that's, that's actually really grace. That's freedom. That's, that's a word that's uh, a, a pretty formal word, but it, it's not really talked much about in the body of Christ, and that's the word sanctification, and that's still in the Bible. Amen. So because of Samson's disobedience, it cost him dearly. It cost him dearly. And, and I think about that, how it affected his life. And, and, and there's some similarities a, a little bit that kind of, uh, if I could say, correlate to a little bit, a little bit, you know, what we are discovering on a different level. Um, we are experiencing all in our lives. The Bible says he was bound. In other words, he was tied down. He couldn't go anywhere. He was tied with chains. Interesting that all of us, many of us are just quarantined and have to stay home or you have to stay, stay in a certain spot and you have to, you know, you can't go out much and it's just a lot of restrictions. The Bible says he was made blind. They gouged out his eyes. What a tragedy. It was a horrible, horrible thing. And But you know what? Many of us cannot see family or friends or, or close uh uh, neighbors or people that we've been in relationship with and, and, and even loved ones that you, you can't, you can't go and visit them. It's sad in the sense cut off. And, and the Bible says he was forced into confinement. He was cut off once again from others. And, 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 but most importantly, he was cut off from his God, going to the synagogue to be able to worship. And I, I right now I'm sharing, I'm sharing to a, an empty auditorium that is typically usually full with believers and, and visitors and guests and, and young men and women and uh, young people and children and families and grandparents all connecting and worshiping God and none of that. Been going on over a month now. Amazing. It's unprecedented in all of Christendom and history. And we're, we're, we're faced with that right now. Couldn't worship. Samson couldn't go to the to the church, to the house of God in worship. Samson was quarantined. He was isolated. He was cut off because of his situation, because of sin and disobedience. And when, when I say that, and I'm not saying that, that you individually or personally, you created all this, but you know, I really feel that the body of Christ, the church, we have allowed a spirit of carnality to come in. Amen, church. We have allowed indifference. We've kind of allowed a nonchalant uh, 
kind of take it, neither here nor there, spirit come upon us. And, and I've talked about this years ago, and there's been a lot of statistics about it, how, how pastors know, hey, listen, we've got, we've got X amount of members, and, but on regular Sunday morning, the membership doesn't reflect the attendees. <laughs> you know? And it's what? Less and less and less, and there's more things pulling on our lives. Come on, church. Amen. And, and, and now you can't go to church. And, and it's, it's agonizing. It's agonizing for, for many people. And so uh, I believe it's a wake-up call. God is shaking us to wake us that, that our passion and our desires get aligned to God's word. Can somebody say amen? Let's jump to the New Testament. I want you to notice Acts chapter 2, verse 38. The Bible, Peter's speaking, and he's speaking to a group of, of Jews, and he urged them, and he said to the crowd, this was his first word. I want you to get this. He said, repent. <laughs> Actually, that just means change your mind. Stop doing the things you used to do. Or in other words, I could say it in the 2020 version, stop thinking that what happened before the virus, we're just going to continue on after once we just kind of get through this. No, the Lord is saying, repent, change your mind, change your thinking, begin to implement some new disciplines in your life, some new habits, some, some new uh, spiritual, allow some spiritual formation to go in your life and grow in your life. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, once again, these divinely inspired words, they were spoken on the day of Pentecost. That's the, the you could say, the birthday of the church, the New Testament church. And watch this. It shows, get this, that repentance is the first prerequisite for hearing God and receiving from the Lord. Did you get that? The first prerequisite, the first requirement is repentance. That's how we get connected to God, how we hear from God and we're afar off. Repent was the first command issued under the day of Pentecost when the church was born. Repent was the first word used to answer the all-important question in Acts 2.37, which was, men, brethren, what shall we do? Peter's preaching to them, but, but they, they're convicted of the word of God, and their first response was, what should we do? And you know what? There's a lot of that going on right now, a lot of crying out. Oh, my God, what's going on? What's happening? What is happening to our world? What, how do we respond? What should we do? Wow, what an appropriate word for you and I today. I believe that's the question for the hour. And this is the question. Let me personalize it for you and I. This is the question. You ready? Lord, what do you want me to do with my life now? What do I need to do now? See, we're talking about who's following who. God is shaking us to waking us. And, and God is challenging us. You know, how many know that's a dangerous question to ask God? But it's not nearly as dangerous as not asking that question. Amen. So Hebrews 6.1, the writer of the book of Hebrews, notice this, that they, he places repentance uh, from acts that lead to death, the foundation truths. The Bible talks about these foundation elementary truths of the word in Hebrews 6. He lists repentance at the top of the list. Interesting. Of God's word. What am I trying to say? My brothers and sisters, friend, uh, re repentance is a major part it is a major part of the foundation of the true Christian faith. You know, there's been teaching that's been going around that you don't really need to repent and you just have to turn your thoughts to God and just think happy thoughts. And, 
You know, my brothers and sisters, that is not scripturally true. There's a truth, a foundational truth, and the Bible talks about it in its repentance. And repentance is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. And so it's way too important for us to gloss over that, to neglect that gift, that gift of repentance. You know, I've been at the uh, bedside of a number of people that have passed and moved on, and, and um, I've had the, the blessed opportunity to lead some of them to the Lord right there just before they died. Amazing. Uh, I'm humbled by that. Know that they will be in heaven. But, you know, some of them passed away and, and uh, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't have that opportunity. I wasn't there. And, and it was told to me, no, they, they weren't Christians. They, they weren't Christians. Wow. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. What a painful thing. And, you know, repentance, repentance, once again, it's, it's a gift. It's a gift, a gift from God to know that you're forgiven, to know that at the end of your life, that, 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 that your name is written, as the scripture says, in the book of life and that, that God knows you and, and that when you see him, the creator of the universe, that you're going to hear his voice and, 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 and live in eternity with him and all the rest of those who've gone on before us. What a tremendous blessing. Repentance is very, very important. Don't listen to anyone that tells you, my brothers and sisters, that you know what, you don't need to repent in your life. And you're not repenting to receive Jesus in your life. I'm talking about Christians that are born again, all right? Uh, when we repent to be born again, you just need to do that one time. But how many of you know the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. There's a cleansing, there's a washing, and there's a, there's a daily allowing, asking the Holy Spirit to wash us and to cleanse us. Amen? So, Samson, he got tired. I really believe he got to a point after this happened to him and what the Philistines did to him and gouging out his eyes. I, I really believe he got to the point where he got tired of calling the shots for his life. I'm going to talk to you about that in a moment. So in the end, Samson, he quickly came to his senses. I would too. And you know what? I don't believe God wants us to get to that extent. He doesn't want us to get to that extent. where we dig a hole so deep, it's, you know, we need to be really shaken to come out of it. <clears throat> he came to his senses when he was faced with that crisis was upon him. And, 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 and he couldn't see. He couldn't see in the naturally. And he was spiritually, I believe he was spiritually blind. And he was chained like an animal. He was confined. And I believe the Spirit of God was loudly, hear me, and clearly speaking to Samson before all of this happened. Watch this. Before all of this happened, I believe he was speaking to him. And when, when he started meeting Delilah, and, and I believe the Spirit of God was prompting him saying, stay, stay away from this woman. Stay away from this woman. And so I just want to throw that out there. What is God saying to you? What is he speaking to you? What is the Holy Spirit prompting you to stay away from? I don't know what that is. It's different for each and every one of us. But whatever it is, we need to be listening and heeding. Because how many know the Holy Spirit knows, you know, the next step in, you know, five months down the road, eight months, 12 years down the road. Amen. He knows the next step. And, and, and he sees the cliff. He sees the ditch. He sees the hole. And he's trying to divert that for our lives. So let's be listening to the spirit of God. And so I believe God was speaking to him. And, but what happened, I think Samson with his pride and his arrogance and his inability to, to receive, uh, God gave him, he was gifted, he was anointed, he was grace, he had power. 
and he let that get to his head. God was speaking to him, but he stuffed that voice down. He neglected that voice, that still, small voice. Church, let's not neglect the voice. Lord, forgive us for neglecting your voice. Amen, church? Amen? Forgive us, O Lord. But now he's in confinement, and he's in tremendous pain. And I believe it took that for Samson. It took that much of a drastic illustration for us to read thousands of years later for Samson to begin to mend his ways. And he heeded God, and he began to change and turn things around. Amen. Amen. We got good news today. There's good news in all of this, and that's this. You know, at times you may feel like, well, Pastor Mike, are you, are you saying I, I failed the Lord? I've, I've, I've failed God, and really there's no hope for me now, and I'm reaping the whirlwind. You know, I've sold to it, and I'm reaping it. And, and you know what? I, I, I don't believe that. I believe, once again, this is a time this is shaken to wake us up. God's trying to shake off the bad fruit in our lives. Come on, somebody. And he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to cultivate and grow the good fruit. Why? Because God, hear me, has a harvest for you and I. He has a harvest for this church. Church for the harvest. We've seen thousands of people come to Christ in the many nations we have traveled. And even many, many people here over the last 20 years who've received Christ, whose lives have been changed and delivered. But you know what? God has greater fruit. He has more for us, more people. There are more people who are coming. Here's the thing. Our God is a faithful God. Can you say amen? What do you mean, Pastor Mike? 2 Timothy 2.13 says this. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Because he cannot be untrue to himself. Wow, that's powerful. And that's true. Why? God is always true to himself. We may be unfaithful. We may stumble and fall, but he remains faithful. And here's the thing. Our God is a covenant-keeping God. Can you say amen? Deuteronomy 7, 9 says this. Know, Know therefore that the Lord our God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him. Amen. What a promise. And he keeps his commandments to a thousand generation. Do you know what? Hear me, parents, uh, grandparents, whoever may listen in, when you love God and you, you serve him with your heart, that has a ripple effect, a ripple effect to your, your kids as kids. And it goes on and on and on. And his faithfulness is manifest. And some of you, you say, pastor, I came in from a broken past. And man, my past was dysfunctional. I, I kind of grew up with that. And, and there was a lot of dysfunction. You know what? You can be a different kind of king. You can be a different kind of queen. You don't have to reap you know, what you're, you know, what you grew up in in your past, you can reap a different kind of future. That's a promise because our God is a covenant keeping God. And now I just kind of want to wind down here. One of the most powerful verses, powerful verses in the Bible. The Bible says that, that right after in Judges chapter 16, verse 22, it says this, that after this tragedy, they gouged out Samson's eyes and they chained him and they, they, you know, he, they made him grind wheat and, you know, in, in, on a mill with a stone and push it. And it just, just like, uh, like an animal, they turned him into an animal. The Bible says in Judges 16, 22, however, the hair of his head began to grow back after it had been shaven. What does that say? You know what it says to me, friends? It says to me this, that our God is a covenant keeping God. You know what? God never abandoned Samson. He felt at the time, he had every right to feel that. You have left me, God. 
I have screwed up so bad. But God did not abandon him. God did that his hair began to grow back. Wow. So I want you to notice what happened. Even though he was in quarantine, even though he was literally cut off, separated, his hair, his covenant was there. The covenant of God. God is a covenant-keeping God, and he's a covenant-keeping God with you. Where You may have felt, I've failed the Lord. We've all failed God, myself included. He is a faithful God. He will not fail you. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to say amen. And so I believe God was speaking to him, and he was listening. He was listening. And Samson at that time, I believe, was humbled. And he was humbling himself and he was repenting and he was asking God to forgive him for his carnality and his foolishness. And he was asking God to forgive him for his indifference and and for rejecting that still small voice as God was speaking to him. I believe it was, he was, he was convicted of the worldliness that has crept in his life and, uh, and how he acted towards Delilah and his, his lasciviousness and fornicating and just running around and like a, just like a wild man. And, but what happened all the while when this is going on, all the while he's repenting, getting right with God and trying to hear the voice of God, God's covenant was growing in him. Hallelujah. What a powerful truth. And I want you to notice this. In Judges 16, 26, Samson said, this is a very, very powerful point here. It spoke to me. It spoke to me. I, I pray it does to you. It says this, to the servant boy who held his hand. Did you get that? Judges 16, 26. It says, Samson said to the servant boy who held his hand. So evidently, there had to have been some little young boy there that was as like an attendant that kind of watched over Samson because he couldn't see and held his hand as he meandered around in this dungeon grinding would bring him to maybe a certain area where he could sit down or whatever. It was a little boy that held his hand. You know what? That's a prophetic picture. That's a picture to you and I today. Say, so what, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? You know, the Bible says in Mark 10, 15, Jesus said, I can guarantee you this truth. Whoever does not <clears throat> receive the kingdom of God as a little child receives it, will never enter into it. Wow. Mm. Somebody needs to say amen to that. Say, that's a good word. Do you know what? God is saying to you and I today, what we've been through, what we're at right now, and what we're coming out of, God is looking for a heart of a, a, a you know, a, ch- a child's heart is a heart that's innocent. It's an innocent heart. And I find it just so interesting that a little boy holds his hand. And I think that's a picture of the Lord saying, come back. You, some of you have to remember when you were, when you were younger and you were, you, you were strong in the Lord and you, you love God, there was an innocence on you and, you know, and, 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 and here you are today and some of you, you have a lot of regrets and, and uh, God is saying, come back to that place. Come back to that place. How do you come back to that? We come back through humility and repentance, church. Through humility and repentance. And Samson, he said to the servant boy who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. And now the Bible says in verse 27, the temple was crowded with men and women and all the rules of the Philistines were there and they were on the roof. And there was about 3,000 of the men and women watching. Samson performed. So they brought him out in the arena and they make a sport with him. And this little boy kind of carried him. And Samson says, bring me by the pillars. And, and Samson does something. In verse 28, the Bible says, Samson prayed to the Lord. Mm. Sovereign Lord. See, see now, if I could say it this way, when I hear sovereign Lord, to me that shouts, is Jesus your savior 
or is he your savior and your Lord? See, see, there's, see, some of us, we just want fire insurance. Come on, somebody. You know what I mean by fire insurance? When you get the insurance, like, well, I'm going to get my car covered or my house covered, you know, or, and you just, you know, have the bare minimum. See, Jesus isn't looking just for fire insurance. You know, thank God for salvation and grace for saved. But you see, Jesus doesn't want to just be your savior. He wants to be your Lord your Lord. And see, Samson came to a realization in this moment, and you can see it in his prayer. What does he say? He doesn't just say, oh, say, oh Savior. He says, Sovereign Lord, Lord, Almighty, Sovereign God, remember me, please God, strengthen me just once more. Let me, with one blow, get revenge on the Philistines from my two eyes. So yeah, he wanted revenge and he wanted back, but he knew that unless he humbled himself before God and, and he knew and he declared that God was Lord in his life and he came back and he, he came back to the truth of who God was in his life. He knew nothing was going to happen, but God's covenant was working in the midst of all of this. And, and so I just want to encourage you here today, the covenant of God, God is a covenant keeping God with you. And, and he hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't given up on you. You may feel it. You may not sense his presence at time or as strongly. And, and it may be a very fearful time, but I want you to be encouraged. God's word said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Never. Amen. And so the Bible says that, Scripture says the temple was destroyed and he pushed that temple down and, and the enemies of Israel were defeated and then Samson, he died in it, but, but you know, he defeated more of the enemies of Israel in his death than while he was alive. Church, what am I trying to say? I believe our spiritual strength is coming back. And I don't just say that flippantly. There's a cost to it. You see, there's a, you know, when Jacob in the Old Testament wrestled with the angel and it said he wrestled all night and, and the angel had to leave and he, he clung to the angel and, and the angel said, let me go, let me go. And he said, I'll not let you go unless you bless me. And so he blessed him and his name became from Jacob to Israel, prince with God. And that's what, that's I think the prophetic word God is saying to you and I here today, that, that Jacob supplanter, trickster and carnal and he became a prince with God, Israel. But see, here's the thing. When he, when he did that and he was blessed, the angel touched the hip or his socket and he said that he, he kind of walked with a limp. What, what does that mean for you and I, spiritually speaking? You know what? Many of us will be scarred with the reality of this season in our life. And 10, 15, 20 years, just like 9-11 or the financial crisis in 2008. We all remember those. Some of you go back and back in the 70s, I remember the, the oil you know, embargo and the crisis and the gas lines. And I remember those. Those had an impact on my life. In a sense, I, I carry that scar, <laughs> a little bit more appreciative about things. How many hear what I'm trying to say? Well, spiritually speaking, I believe it's the same thing. You know, we're going to come through this. We are coming through this and God is beginning to uh, take us through and driving back, driving back. There's a greater anointing, I believe, coming on the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that. I believe that. I believe the spiritual strength is coming back to the church in a greater capacity. It's to be seen in these months ahead what God is going to do out of the midst of this into the body of Christ. Hallelujah. I believe Satan is going to be driven back further and further back over our culture. 
Somebody needs to say amen. And I believe he's going to be driven back over, over marriages that were, uh, uh, you know, tipsy on getting a divorce and that the, the devil is going to be broken over that, over our children, over this nation in Jesus' name. You know, right now it feels like the body of Christ has had its head shaven. But let me just tell you, her strength is coming back. Our strength is coming back. Hallelujah. Our strength is coming back. But church is going to take humility in this season. Now, here's the thing. I said this earlier before over the last few weeks that, that, that we should not be looking for someone else to repent. Something on a national level to say, well, yeah, well, we'll kind of join that or we'll give a Facebook like up to that. Hey, yeah, we're a part of it. And that as far as it goes. No, 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 no. God is requiring of you and I individually, myself, me, and you. And you don't need to look to your wife or your husband or somebody else. You just need to look to the Lord and you and say, Lord, here am I, Lord. It's me, O oh Lord. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And that's what the Lord is doing. He's awakening us, I believe, in this season to shake us. He is awakening us to shake us that he would get fruit, to get rid of the bad fruit in our lives in this season and allow the good fruit to, to come to fruition. Greater fruit greater fruit. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Thank God. Thank God for that. Well, in conclusion, I believe the question of this season once again is this, Lord, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do in this season? You don't need to ask your husband or your wife, say, honey, what do you think I should do? No, 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 because they'll probably have an answer for, you for that. And you're probably not going to like it. Uh, but but, but what are, you need to ask the Lord. Go to God in this season. Ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? Or Lord, what are you requiring of me in this season? And I believe God is speaking very clearly in this season. And if we're, you know, we're listening and not being like Samson was in the past where he neglected and rejected or just tried to stuff that voice down, that we listen to it, God is going to do a tremendous, tremendous thing in through our lives in our churches. Amen. You know, in the 16th century, the Renaissance astronomer Nicholas Copernicus he challenged the belief that the Earth was the uh, he challenged the belief that the Earth was the center of the universe. He argued uh, that the sun did not revolve around the Earth, but rather the Earth revolved around the sun, which we know that to be true. So the Copernican revolution turned the scientific world upside down by turning the universe inside out. In much the same way, friends, I believe each one of us, we need to experience that type of revolution in our life. You say, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? It's the, I believe the paradigm shift happens when we come to terms with the fact that, watch this, the world does not revolve around us. <laughs> I said that with a smile. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes I think it does. Sometimes I think it does in my own life. As well, you know, it should be this way. Or how come it isn't? And the, the world does not revolve around you and I. And we're experiencing that. All right? And that is a tough pill to swallow at times. Amen. It sure is. But, but we, you know, when we think about it as a child, when we are born, the world does revolve around us. Those of you who have little kids, I mean, you know, You've got to change those diapers. You cry, give them the bottle, feed them, burp them, change the diapers again, bathe them, you know, hold them, comfort them. Come on, come on now, somebody. Moms, you hear what I'm saying. You know what? You're, the world, it seems, for an infant, 
revolves around them for a child, for a child. And that's fine if you're two, three, four, five-month-old baby. It's supposed to be that way, okay? It's supposed to be that way. But if you're 22 years old or if you're 32 years old or 46 years old, come on, somebody, or 62 years old, something's wrong. Something's wrong, amen? Here's the news flash. You ready? You are not the center of the universe, and neither am I. Somebody needs to tweet that or, you know, thumbs up on that. We are not the center of the universe. God is the center. Amen? God is the center. And so I want to stop, uh, I want to challenge you today to stop calling the shots in your life. Amen? Stop calling the shots in your life. Stop living like Jesus, hear me, came into your life to follow you around. Wow. Jesus didn't come in our lives to follow us around, church. We invite Jesus Christ in our life so we follow him. That's why every time Jesus, when he met somebody and he spoke truth to them, he'd say, follow me, take up your cross, follow me. And that's the thing. And for, for far too long, we've kind of acted and had a mindset, church, where we've invited Jesus in our life for fire insurance and asked them, we got that rabbit's foot, we're good to go. Come on, Jesus, and follow me. No, we're to follow him. Can you say amen? Follow him. Hey, let's live our life following the Lord. Can you say amen, church? Amen. Amen. Let's, let's take a moment here. I want to pray for you. And you say, Pastor Mike, I'm, I'm not right with God. I need to get right with God. And I'm not following the Lord. And I followed the Lord when I was younger. I got off track. Uh, I'm, I'm in a ditch. Uh, I feel like Samson in the, in the dungeon there. And I feel like I can't see. I'm bound. I, 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 I'm cut off. And um, spiritually speaking, emotionally, maybe physically. I don't, I don't know your situation exactly, but the Spirit of God does. If that's you, today is a great day for you to get right with God. So how do I do that? You know, when you pray this prayer, you're not joining this church, but you are joining the family of God. And the Bible says we are to repent and believe the good news. There's that word again, repent. It means to change your mind. See, you can't go into this new season with the same thinking that you had in the past. God is doing something new. And you may have heard this message, and you've heard this message, and you've heard the message of the gospel of salvation, but you've never truly surrendered. You've never humbled yourself before God, got on your knees and said, you know what? I have a lot of questions, God. I don't have the answers for, but I'm going to take a step of faith today, and I'm going to take that step to, to receive you into my life. You have that authority. See, no decision is a decision. And the Bible says that faith is action, it's decision. You decide to believe. It's like, well, I, 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 what if I say it and nothing really happens? No, God promised whoever comes to him, he will, never, he will never cast out. Whoever comes to him in humility, he will receive in repentance. So if that's you, take a moment with me now. Say this prayer. Pray with me right now. Say this, say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and save me. Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Today, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for delivering me. I will follow you. I will follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Friends, I believe if you prayed that prayer, 
and you meant it, God meant it, and, and we have materials for you here to help you along your journey. And, and I just want to encourage you, maybe you're tuning in and maybe you're on the local channel 181 and cable network in the local area, uh, or you're listening on YouTube or through Facebook today. And, and you've been kind of that secret Christian uh, I've talked about uh, on, on, on a prayer on Saturday a few weeks ago, and just kind of that uh, secret, secret Christian. And, uh, and, and you're not really step, taking out and taking a step of faith. And, and I want to encourage you, when we resume back as a church, I want to invite you to Church for the Harvest. That's right. I want to invite you. I believe this is a healthy church. This is a good church for your family. Uh, there are relationships here that can be built, uh, that you can, you can be a part of and see and be welcome and received. And so I'm extending, as a pastor, I'm extending a warm welcome to you when we resume, which I believe will be sooner than later. Welcome to Church for the Harvest. And come, get plugged in, get connected, uh, get your kids. Your kids need to be in kids' church. We have a dynamic kids' ministry and, and a youth ministry, and, and we take missions trips, and we do things stateside and internationally, and, and, and be a part, serve in the local body, get to know people, and grow in your faith. Amen. So I just want to extend that and throw that out there. We welcome you to Church for the Harvest. And we pray God's blessing on your life. Hey, God is awakening us to shake us. Why? Because there's much, much fruit he has in store for you and I. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Have a blessed week in the Lord. Amen.